Behind all the glamour. Behind the Lux listings. A raw take on all things real estate. All things New York City. All, all things, things us. us. Okay, we are back. It is second season, second episode. Steve Cohen and... Tim Malone. Timothy Porter. Porter? Porter. That's your middle name, right? Yes. You know mine? Adam. Yes. Ooh, that was good. Well, I've been here five years. That's the next topic we're talking. So <laughs> five-year anniversary coming up on the in the industry and on the team. When did you start? Middle of February 2018. Was it? Middle of February? Oh, yeah. yeah because you Scarlet, were leaving. Yeah. Yeah. Scarlet's birth. Uh, yeah, yeah. I hired you from... We met before, but then I heard you from South Carolina. All right, because Scarlett was being born. That's right. All right. Yeah. And then we're going to debunk some real estate myths. All right. I like that. So celebrate Tim and deb Timothy Porter Malone and debunk real estate myths. All right, Tim. Oh. I don't have. <laughs> it, they're not flame. Wait, last yeah. Last episode, we talked about nutrition and <laughs> diet, and now we're eating cupcakes on this one? <laughs> No one talked about consistency. Uh, They're just for show. All right. Good. Happy anniversary. Super fun. Yeah, there you go. Thanks for doing that, Caroline. <laughs> All right. So I think the first thing we need to do is this. Well, we're going to start talking about trending topics, which. Okay. I like and just that. like what's going on in real estate, the news. And the first thing I think we should talk about is this chat GPT, which is not just real estate. It's all over the news. Obviously. Right. I mean, I think people have seen it. I mean, okay, quickly, I don't even truly know what it is. I'm not going to sound like an expert, but it's a system that allows you to write long form, putting in keywords. Um, and after a while, it picks up AI, it picks up your tone and your personality, correct? Yeah. So I think yeah. the question is, is how is this going to impact real estate and descriptions and listing descriptions? And, you know, after a while, can you just put in two-bedroom, Madison Avenue, right. $3 million, two baths, great view, and it takes it from there. So I think specifically, I, it's a much bigger topic. Yeah. And I think you actually, didn't you say that they just had it take an exam, like a yeah, the, they took the bar? Yeah, they took a law school exam and, right. a, and a business school exam right. and did amazing. And then BuzzFeed yesterday said right. they're going to start using it, and their stock jumped 200%. You're kidding. So wow. are articles on BuzzFeed going to be written by a bot? Or books. Or books. Authors or magazines. Yeah, yeah right. I mean, anything. So, but. all right, but let's bring it home to real estate. Do I think it will, it'll just be a convenience, I think. What we do is, descriptions are a part of our, what we do. However, it's not the essence of our selling and all of that. So mm -hmm. I think it'll be, it'll be a convenience like other things in our industry. Mm -hmm. Listen, before my time, but in the early, in the eighties and early nineties, people didn't use computers and everyone, all the listings were, you know, manual mm -hmm. and you'd fax things, contracts. Mm -hmm. So similarly, I think this will just be an advanced, uh, convenience. Okay. So my question, and maybe this is I don't know if this is controversial or not, but does it level the playing field and give like a lesser, shittier writer, you know, more qualifications? And we're not just talking descriptions. I mean, this could like we put out a monthly newsletter that is mm -hmm. we put a lot of time yeah, into it. It's great. Yeah. It's, you know, can anyone start putting out fabulous newsletters because they just put in, you know, I don't know. Well, and again, it's not just real estate. So this is I think it's it's 
So I think it's the convenience. And yes, it will, like every new technology that comes along and makes life easier, mm-hmm. um, it will level it out. But then individuals will figure out how to have an edge on that. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, everyone's doing video now. Yeah. That doesn't mean people's videos are, everybody's you know, everyone's. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It okay. really, listen, we're all still human beings that totally. have to, to control this and bring our personality into it. Yeah. So. All right. Next trending topic, pickleball. Have you played? Not yet, but according to my mother-in-law, Jackie Katz, who just turned 80 and looks amazing and is in great shape, she plays pickleball five mornings yep. every day, mm-hmm. every week. And according to her, she's like the national champ of all of California. No, but, but I yeah. think it's interesting because I think pickleball is something, whether you're 80 or 20, mm-hmm. you can find someone on your level and you can play. I played for the first time in the fall and uh, we were on vacation and I didn't know what it was. I grew up playing tennis, so I had an idea of it, yeah. but it's a quicker easier and truly it's very social so we have we we have lots we know lots of people that play yeah and kirk actually said something we were at a dinner and with friends about getting a group together to actually play you know totally once or twice a month yep but interestingly you know how they're taking over certainly in florida where they're converting tennis courts to pickleball courts Mm -hmm. will pickleball become a new amenity yeah well, I think it's already, you're in, seeing it. In a New York City building. Yeah. You're seeing it in New York, in uh, Central Park, and they're converting yep. certain courts, tennis courts, but will it be an indoor yep. amenity or a rooftop? I was at the gym this morning in our building, and I walked by a, our golf simulator, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, that is what we're well, talking about. Right. Like, you know, will it I replace? mean, how much does it cost to put in a golf simulator? I can't, I don't even know, but it's got to be cheaper to put a pickleball court and- right. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if pickleball becomes a hot amenity. Because I do think these buildings keep evolving and, you know. Well, evolving and figuring out, you know, what's hot and what actually gets used. You know, more and more. So, uh, you know, I was at the Benson Mm -hmm. uh, the other day, which is such a great building, boutique building. And their amenities are amazing. And they, you know, of course, they have the the screening room and theater and then they have a they have a half basketball court which is pretty cool mm-hmm. and so people definitely i think people will use that yep. but also when you're not using it it can just convert to a, a yoga studio yep totally so yeah should we move to the let's talk about the next hot topic. are we going there yeah let's go there it's not Steven's that gonna risk, be uncomfortable it's but... not that risque but yes right, i am rats. gonna be un- so i actually have a phobia of rats so do i i have we i don't think you've seen if if a rat crosses the street or runs in front of me i oof i have such a reaction a snake or a rat it, both snakes and rats it's exactly i it. can't handle oof. rats don can't handle snakes well i'm but, both <laughs> yeah but new york city eric oh, adams God. is waging Gross. a war on the rats yep. so what does that mean i mean i think he's really putting emphasis it sounds like he's gonna i mean obviously there's no there's no secret. They're attracted to the garbage. Right. So it's this is more about locking up the garbage, putting it in cages and crates so it's not accessible, which I think also, I saw a photo the other day. It was on Park Avenue mm-hmm. in the like 500-something Park Avenue. I mean, the amount of garbage oh, piled, piled up, up. in yeah. front of some of these buildings. I was like, there's got to be another way to do this. It's gross, and rats are gross. Yeah. But I will share with you. So we were, as you know, recently in Israel, and... Scarlet, 
saw all these cats and she'd, you know, get down and try to call them over. They're all strays. Yeah. Do you know why there are so many cats in Jerusalem, specifically in the old city of Jerusalem? And here's a little hint. Same in Rome. Okay, so what do they have in common? Obviously, you know, ancient Rome and the old city of Jerusalem, or it's ancient Jerusalem. The they have a very high cat population, but you have no rat population. Oh, so they want rat, yeah. yeah, they they they'd rather have stray cats, mm-hmm. which by the way, I live there, they can be kind of nasty too. But when my parents moved to Watermill, the yeah. builder, the first thing when he said, When you move in, yeah, first thing you need to do, get a cat. Get a cat. Oh, that's so interesting. Really? And it was the in best. Watermill? I mean, you could literally see. I mean, we were never like. Oh, because they were building. We were never like a diehard cat family. Right, right. But like, whenever we didn't have a cat on the property, there were mice. This is quite a topic we're going into. Yeah. Does anybody want to buy an expensive restaurant, uh, an expensive apartment in New York City with rats? <laughs> <laughs> Thank God I've never. Oh, God. Never seen a rat in But just an so apartment. people don't think we're being dramatic, if you're not in New York City, New York City rats. They're huge. They're huge and And they're gross gross, and they zip across you when you're walking down the street, mostly in the evening, and they freak me out. On the the way, hold on, on the way to the gym, I go to the gym early in the morning, so it's still dark out and I was walking and there was movement and I like jumped back, but it was just a bunch of birds. So there you go. That's my morning. Mm. All right, where are we going? So five years, let's just touch on this. Yeah. Young Tim came from the entertainment and advertising media world mm-hmm. and dove into New York City real estate. And uh, who was your first client that you, Sarah, Sarah, Sarah Crass. Crass? Yeah. Sarah that was my Crass. First. There you go. We're shouting you out, Sarah Crass. The five years, I'd be interested to know how these five years compare to like, I mean, it's been a, it's been some. A ride? It's been. I mean, not just, I'm not, forget me, like yeah. just in terms of real estate, what the city and the country has seen in real estate in these five years has got to be. Yeah, you picked a good, well, God. I mean, the dip of 2020, the dip the of rise tw- of 2020. We like, had, if I think back on the discussions we would get into, obviously COVID, mm-hmm. then we went into, well, we change companies that for us personally, that was a transition. And then Black Lives Matter. Remember, mm-hmm. we were so sensitive about our advertising. Mm-hmm. And what else have we had? And then I also think from a marketing standpoint, yeah. again, I wasn't here, but it seems like video. Oh my God. I mean, I don't even know. Were you doing video uh, six years ago? Not quite like we do yeah. now. I mean, here we video are doing exploded. a podcast. like, yeah, And it's just the the... The necessity of marketing. And it has in five years. Tom Ferry predicted this. I mean, he said way before five years, video will be everything. Yeah, and it'd be interesting to look at what how you marketed in 2018 and how you market now, like what oh, you did. You know, so different. Uh, we have a three person marketing team, yeah. and marketing is so much of what we do. Yeah, and it's a lot of how what we bring to the table with when we get our listings. Mm-hmm. That I think we have definitely. And up on some of the other brokers. What other changes would, I mean, obviously we switched companies, but what do you think in terms of other technology? Like, do you think, I mean, Street Easy Expert, those things didn't exist, but do you think what else changed 
What are some other big changes in the industry? Well, I mean, we didn't really see mega teams. Like mega teams have happened recently. So when I first started in the business, a team was the most unusual thing. Yeah. And when people would call, I'm going back 20 years ago and say, oh, should I get into the business? And I'd say, sure, just, you know, get together your list and you can do it. I did it Mm -hmm. as a single broker. Now it's all about joining a team. I mean, the power of a team is so different. And uh, as time goes on, it's all going to be about different size teams rather than individual brokers. I think also um, regions, like we do stuff in the Hamptons, we do stuff in the city. That's right. Some teams are doing stuff, you know, in Florida or California. I don't remember hearing that when I first started. Teams, teams are doing more, and then we definitely do more business and referral business in all the different markets, including yeah. overseas. Yeah, yeah, that's different. But I'll tell you the the one constant mm-hmm. is that it's still a people business. Totally, and the nuance of listening and hearing what your buyer wants, mm-hmm. or with a seller knowing how to market and put the best foot forward for their property, it's still a human contact business. And, and consistency. I think consistency is, yeah. um, you know, it's easy to, as I kind of said, I think there's been ebbs and flows in the business and, mm-hmm. you know, there's been spring seasons and years that have been busy and there's been times where it's been super quiet. Yeah. But I think consistency and constantly being in contact with our sphere of influence has been, you know, what's really important, you know, and then I think also messaging. I think we've been really consistent with messaging. We haven't really veered off that much. I mean, we stick to our main themes of, you know. You mean in our marketing, our main themes? Yeah, I mean, I think think we've evolved our marketing a hundredfold, but it's always been about the same, like, this is who we are, we're trustworthy, we're amazing service. And I think that's the truth. We're honest and we try to just level, tell it like it is. Yeah. And of course, we have to shout out to Serene, who heads up all of our marketing and does it all with such ease and always a smile. But I remember when we first hired Serene, I think it was even before you were with us, right? No. It was after? Okay. Serene would fight to get our attention or to do anything with marketing. Mm -hmm. And I remember she made a presentation as to why we need to devote more time and attention to marketing. And I was so blown away by this presentation, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. graphs and everything. And now, I mean, God, we talk about marketing, we have marketing meetings, uh, we drill down on it, marketing budgets. It's incredible. She needed to get us and we needed to get her. I remember those like early days. Yeah, it was like, I like that. Yeah. She, Serene would come in and I swear, like, she was like, we were like, okay, you're 23. And like, she wanted us to do these crazy things. And we were like, <gasps> um, I don't know if that's really. And then like, and that's then not she's, what got, we do. she's gotten us to do a lot of it now. Yeah, so. she has. Um, and it's yeah. usually when I gasp the most yeah. that it's the most successful. The most. Yeah, she gets us out of our comfort zone. All, and we just talked about this the other day. We even need to go further. Yeah, like yeah. We need to lighten it up and do more. Yeah, we will. Yeah, Serene, we'll do more. All right. So let's just quickly, so you've five years. So yeah. give me, what's the what's the hardest deal you worked on or the most complex Mm. You don't have to give names, but I mean, I feel like there's been, there's so many in every deal. Like, you know, last year 
I think having buyers, I think what I saw last year in 2022 were renters that wanted to become buyers. Mm. And I think, um, you know, getting those people that are pulling money from one source and the other source and like really, you know, buying their first apartment, a great two bedroom and spending a good budget, getting them the confidence that it's going to be okay. And also keeping everything calm, yeah. um, you know, and I'll you know, you, we've I'll... seen some co-ops in the last, you know, we've seen co-ops that have been, it's been tough sometimes. So I think really having the information, keeping the client calm, but also communicating with the managing agent and the other agents are, it's been really, um, that's been tough. Keeping you know, the emotions between the lines. I, yeah. I'd say what you, I, one of the things you excel at is when you have buyers, and I'm thinking of two or three in particular, and, you know, really great buyers with a good budget, but very demanding and had specific requests. And you were able to find, in two cases, we found two off-market yep. mm-hmm. properties for them. Yep. And because we dug down, we knew what they wanted, you did. Yep. And they're the three I'm thinking about are happy as can be. Yeah, and I think finding off-market is really about, again, it's relationships with clients, but then we also have to know the other agents. Yeah, of course. You know, and being able to call on people and say, like, I need a two-bedroom on Fifth Avenue. What do you guys have? Right. And more times than not, people do have stuff in their back pocket. Yeah. So I think that's been good. I think the— Not just, not just they have it, I find, because— but you don't know, like you yeah. would never know if you didn't ask the well, question of course and you have don't that ask, conversation. But, you know, t- people talk about, oh, it must be so cutthroat, New York City real estate or being, I actually find that we're oh. all very, we all yeah. work well together. And totally. For the most part, brokers want to help out each and other. And we're helping help each, each other, other out. out. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. What I found, I mean, in the last five years for me, coming from a marketing background, I was shocked at how much marketing played into this industry. And just how important it is. And it seems like we do a lot of marketing. We do the podcast. We do the newsletter. We do Instagram. We do YouTube postcards. But we can always do more. And I think having a marketing background coming from NBC and having that traditional marketing background and um, being able to think about strategy, which I did back in my last job, I think has helped me a lot in real estate. And I think when I talk to younger people or anyone that wants to get into real estate, I'm like, it's about marketing. I mean, I would say it's a lot of what we do, marketing the property and also marketing ourselves. Ourselves. So I have two memories. Of course, they're both around food that the first, I want to say within like the first few weeks, we went to, we had a buyer and a woman, an older woman, and we Took her to her, yeah. We found an apartment for it, and then afterwards, you and I went to Pancatidian and had wine. Who oh, knew yeah. they had wine? I remember, at yeah. And uh, we just kind of sat there and talked about like, so how's it going? And then, like, your six or month or one year, we just decided let's grab lunch and see how it's going. And we went to uh, Fred's at Barney's, where we used to go all the time, which I miss. And we sat and we kind of went through and reviewed everything. I just, for some reason, those two moments popped up where we just sat and kind of honestly said, how's it going? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I think that's the thing. I think being able to, um, you know, being on the team and having that, because again, there's been, as I said earlier, ebbs and flows in this business. Yeah. So I think, you know, realizing that in the big scheme of things, it's all good. 
but there's definitely, I don't know. And that's why I would be interested to know these five years, how they compare. Um, but I think if we got through COVID, we can pretty much get through yeah. those couple well, months. So there'll be more where it was highs going. and lows. Yeah, I'm sure. All right. Let's debunk some common real estate myths. So, uh, what are some of the deal we do is a multi-million dollar deal. <laughs> Listen, we're, we're lucky. We do some really sexy, great, expensive mm-hmm. deals, but mm-hmm. we do it all. Totally. And I, I always bring this up, but one, you know, a deal, a smaller deal that, uh, our team worked on was that crazy apartment on 10th street. 11th. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, like that a was a haunted house. Five story. It was a five floor walk up. But once you got up there, it was this incredible, not big artist loft that was, I was afraid to walk in there. Speaking of rats, I thought any moment a rat that was going like to jump in. national pickup. I we was got, getting calls at night from yeah. people and I was like, you're in Houston and you want this how apartment? Many, we had like, something like, how many, we ended up selling it for, I think we listed, this is one of the smaller deals, like 750000 We ended up selling it just under a million. Mm-hmm. We had to get the whole place cleaned up, but it was such a cool space. Yeah, yeah. And I remember when we were talking about marketing and getting PR for it, and we mm-hmm. did, it was picked up and in the post and on the news. And someone said, well, did anyone famous live there? And I was like, you know what? It's not all about celebrity. You've yeah. got to see this space. Yeah, yeah. So that was just a fun, neat deal. It's not always about the super high price points. So No, it's also, I am very happy to do a one-bedroom, two-bedroom. And as I said, like sometimes those for me are, it's really valuable to see that person's excitement. And when totally. it's like, I remember when I bought my first yeah. apartment and when someone's moving from like being a renter to having that owning and owning property in New York City. And again, you know, truth is, is they're going to become, they're going to sell that place and, they and they're going to, you yeah. know, so move on. Um, yeah. There's nothing better than a client customer telling you, you know, I just want you to know I'm so happy in my space. Totally. It's great. Yep. It's awesome. Yeah. All right. What else do we have out there? What are some of the other myths that we deal with? Spending the most money on your renovation will result in a better ROI. Mm. Uh, well, no, I have my I, opinions on that. That's, what do you think? I think that's, a, you can spend the most money on anything, and mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean it's good. I think if you do a tasteful renovation that is, it can, if it's tasteful and that it's the greatest to the most people, that's the best return on investment. Because when you go to sell, it'll have the most market appeal. Totally. And I think you have to think about, like, is this your apartment? Are you looking to live in it, enjoy it for 10 years? Yeah. Then put the best countertop in, put the, put the appliances that you want, like enjoy it, you know? But if you're thinking like, I'm doing this renovation so I can flip it in three years. Yeah. I don't know that that works. And we saw that we don't always see, uh, I think it also depends what market you're selling in. Yes. And I think it's very easy for a buyer to come to you in a buyer's market and say, yeah, fantastic. The countertop's gorgeous, but I'm not paying for their work. Right. And we hear that. Um, So I think it's important to realize what you want to get out of it. Yeah, Kirk and I, every apartment that we've ever bought, and including other properties, have been, we like renovating Mm -hmm. uh, because we, that's a process we like and we like creating our own space. And, but that comes up. I don't want to pay for someone else's work. Yeah. If I'm just going to end up tearing it all out. Well, yeah. And and we come across that a lot. And I think trends constantly change. So, you know, I saw something the other day. You mean design trends? Yeah, I saw something the other day that like white kitchens are out. Oh, well, they're doing the deep 
And now they want to do like grays were for a know, while. And it's yeah. like, oh, well, if I just put in a white kitchen, right. like, what does that mean? You yeah. know? And it's like, you gotta, I think you either have to A, put in exactly what you love and enjoy it, or listen, yeah. and if you're really good, you're ahead of the trend. You're ahead of the trend. Yeah. And exactly. that's fun to see that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Pet friendly means pet friendly. That actually is a great point. You always have to dive deeper because if if you just know that a, a building's pet friendly, you have to go deeper. They may have requirements that they don't let certain breeds of dogs in. They don't allow more than one or two pets. They're, in the case of a dog, that it can only be a certain weight. Or, yeah, they only allow two. And yeah. You have three. You won't be able to move in. And you know my story. What's your story? With Rufus, who, our, our beautiful Rufus, who passed five years ago. Kirk and I were looking, were in contract to buy an apartment. And we had a dog and it, so they wanted us to bring the dog to the interview. So, okay. Uh, we brought the dog, we brought Rufus. Right off the bat, I'd be like, we're out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we, we, we fell for it. So we went and we stepped in the lobby and two of the, the board president and another board member met us and they put down a scale, literally like a scale in your bathroom that you weigh yourself. And they said, well, we want to, and I had letters from the vet saying what the weight was and all this stuff. And I said, I have a letter. Like, why do you need me? To? And I said, how are we going to weigh the dog? And he said, well, you step on the scale, which I did. And he took my weight. And then he said, now pip, pick up your dog. And I had a suit on and we, Rufus was clean, but he was like a, I don't know, 65 pound dog. I don't remember what he was. And I, I, I literally turned them and said, I'm not doing that. That's asinine. And then we went for our board interview and we're sitting in someone's apartment having this interview and uh, someone else was coming into the apartment. A, a board member was running late. And so they rang the doorbell and Rufus was just calmly sitting at my feet during this whole conversation. Of course, his head got a, and he barked and I didn't see it, but Kirk told me the board president jumped so far off of his chair from that bark. And so yeah, the interview, the meeting went on, we left and Kirk said, how'd you think that went? I said, oh, it went fine. He was like, are you kidding me? That board president hates dogs and is afraid of dogs. <laughs> anyway, thank God we didn't buy the apartment. And as things always turn out, we ended up in the apartment we're currently in, which is much greater space. Yeah, and I think the important, I think you said it, but you always have to like, ask the question too, because we've been sometimes, even if you see dogs in the lobby, you can't even assume like, oh, it's a pet friendly building. Cause like they may have made an exception. For, That's right. You know, so it's, uh, we um, sold in a building where our seller, Max, our seller had a dog, but it was a, um, help me out. What's it called? A service dog. Service yeah. dog. Thank you. And he had a letter and was allowed to have a dog in his right. non-pet-friendly totally. building yeah. because it was a service dog. Yeah. You can't always get away with that, but it is. Yeah. They do have to allow it. Yeah. Okay, so that brings to the next one. Buying a condo is just like buying a co-op. Okay, well, anyone <laughs> in New York City knows that's not true. Obviously, the, the financial structure is different. Mm -hmm. One condo is you're buying real property. It's like buying a house st stacked on top of a house. You actually own your unit. It's real property. Co-op, you're buying shares in a corporation and then you're, quote, leasing your apartment mm -hmm. from the corporation. So that's that's the financial difference. And then, to, and then they have differences. You know, a co-op, you have to go through a board 
You both have applications, but yeah. uh, co-op is more But we've seen, I mean, in 2021, yeah. we saw a client who specifically wanted to buy a condo because he wanted to avoid the whole co-op process. Yeah, of course. And then I think he ended up going through a rather stringent uh, condo. The condo, yeah. The application was like... Condos have gotten Some tougher. of the high-end condos. Yes. He still had to speak to the yeah. board. They can't turn you down legally, right? But they can make you go. They can put you through the process. Process, yeah. So yeah, that's 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 a very, if you know, you know, that's a very big difference. But again, we have to say all co-ops are not. You know, mm -hmm. the majority of co-ops is we know how to get you through the process, yeah. And you get an interview and you buy your apartment. Yeah. It's it's, it's uh, rare for a turn down. Although they It's interesting that. to talk to buyers that are coming to New York for the first time and they're like petrified of co-ops and I think, mm -hmm. you know, I do think co-ops get a bad rap, but yep. you know, that's why our team helps a lot with the process and we can get you through the Yeah. the process. It's very important to understand yeah. the co-op process and really putting in the proper really how to finesse a good co-op package. Yep. And what will speak to the board and answer all their questions. Mm -hmm. All right. Anything else on our myths? Anything else we need to debunk? All right. So last one. This will be your favorite. Okay. I think everyone has this myth that we negotiate over lunch with other brokers. Is that true? Do you meet uh, top brokers? Uh, and, well, you know I mean, that you spoke about Fred's, yeah, and we know you were there like three times a week. So, is that where you were negotiating <laughs> your deals? No, and I mean, I'd be there with clients and friends, and may, sometimes other brokers. But no, you know where that all comes from. It comes from all the reality TV of reality of television shows because sitting in a restaurant makes good TV rather totally. than just me talking on the phone to another broker. Yeah. So, no. Deals are done quickly and yeah. over email. Sometimes and they're not always quickly. But. No, no, no. Uh, uh, making an offer. Yeah. It's not a sit down. Oh my god, come meet me for dinner, lunch. It's funny though. It's not a bad idea. It would take so much time. I mean, I wouldn't do it for every deal, but right. there are some deals where I think if you just obviously we know that like emails better, you know, a phone calls better yeah. than text messaging. Sometimes being in person and just saying like this is the issue. This is where we're at. What's your issue? So like, there's no question in person, yeah. I believe is always better than, but life moves too fast and no one has time to do yeah, all yeah, that. Yeah. You got to get offers in. So what we do is obviously we pick up the phone, present the offer, discuss the nuances mm -hmm. and then send it over in writing. But do you think like we've had deals that have, we've negotiated for months. Do you think if you sat down with another broker, you could have like, do you think anything was missed in translation? No, listen, I think any of the deals, which is rare, that yeah, yeah. we're negotiating for that long, there are so many other nuances, nuances and, and yeah. issues. And we've had cases where a buyer and seller want to talk or, or meet. It's been rare, but God, over the course of 22 years, I've maybe done it a few times where we all got in a room together, the two mm -hmm. brokers the lawyers and and the buyer and seller. It's very rare. Yeah, yeah. It's very rare. And it's only, it would have to be for a very complex and deal. And then you we get mad and you just, what? then you get mad and Throw flip the, the tables. Table. Exactly. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> this conversation's over. This is I'm done. out of here. <laughs>
All right. So on that note, let's head to lunch and negotiate a deal. deal. There you go. (laughs) Happy anniversary, Timothy Porter. Thank you. Malone. Does your nutritionist know you're going to eat a cupcake? Um, I am not eating that cupcake. You're eating both of them. (laughs) All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. If you have any thoughts or questions or any topics you want us to talk about, DM us. Uh, Leave a comment below. Yeah. Leave a comment Um, below. Let us know your thoughts, and we'll see you next time. This is Steve Cohen. You can always follow me at Stephen Cohen NY. And this is Tim Malone. I'm at Tim P. Malone NYC, and we will see you on the next episode.